0: Welcome to episode number 53 of the New York Pangers podcast partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and alongside my co hosts Luca and Brett. And today we're going to be with Inside the Rink Islanders writer, Donnie Savitsky. We're going to be talking to him about the Rangers Islanders preview, some stuff around the NHL and more. But first, just want to let you guys know to subscribe, go to insidetherink.com slash ESPN plus to subscribe to ESPN plus, go watch games and more there, and let's get to it. And we are back. Donnie Savitsky, our guest, uh,
1: Inside the Rink Islanders writer. How's it going? Uh, Everything's good. Thanks for having me. I get it. I get it. it, Crossing enemy lines, you know. But no, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, we've been talking about this for a little bit, Jacob. So Uh, uh, yeah, it's been finally uh, got it to work. I mean, I think this is like a year and a half in the making. I I think so. Yeah, I I think we
0: could go back to our text like, hey, we got to once we got to do an Islanders Rangers pregame like special some type of thing, and it's just like always either like there was an Islander game like. I don't
1: know. It was always it just didn't work out, and then finally, you know, we Plus were Plus, they to... sucked last year, so you know it took a lot of the fun out of it. At least you know they're both competitive this year, right? That's I cool. had a lot of fun last year. Oh, I mean, I had to, that St. Patrick's <laughs> Day game where Sorokin made that save, uh, you know, on there, and they oh, won, the that, won out that late goal. But I mean, that was that was a fun game. I had a lot of fun with it, but like you know, it was uh, not as it, you know the fact that they were Islanders were twenty points out of the stand playoff spot at that point. You know, kind of hurt the intensity yeah. of it but you know uh tomorrow night's gonna be a fun game so let's
0: get into Sorokin just for right off the bat my guy my guy so he has a 0.926 save percentage uh he kind of had a shaky three game stretch where he had an 808 uh an 897 and an 829 but then followed it up with a shutout is there any concern that he might be falling back from his Superman form for the Islanders or that was just a blunder you think?
1: No, I'm not really worried, especially because of how good he looked against Colorado. And even at the end against Vegas, when he came in after Varlamov got hurt, Um, you know, he looked, he looked pretty solid there. They really didn't let, they did a good job of preventing shots and not letting him get tested against Vegas and Colorado. He looked great. He settled into his game. He was confident. in Colorado. Clearly their game plan was to try to exploit what he was, you know, lacking. He wasn't, challenging as much he was getting burned on deflection because early they were just shooting from the point, getting deflections. They almost got a couple, but he got better as that game went on. He was great. And last year even, you know, he had that great season when you look at his totals, but he had about a seven game stretch in February or like mid-February, where he again like had like an 880 something, you know, like it just looked bad, you know, and it was giving us some tough goals. But then before that and after that, he was really fine. You know, so it's it was just a small blip. I'm not too worried, you know, um He's going back to, you know, uh, probably play his uh, best friend tomorrow night, you know, so that'll get him up for that game. But I'm not worried, you know.
2: Is there anything you can divine about when he does go on those little blips, those little stretches uh, that might be a cause for that? Is it a mental thing? Is it overuse? Is there anything that you can divine about that that might explain why he has those moments?
1: So it's very interesting seeing the progression over his career. You know, this is his third season, and last year it was you know, it was a little bit of just overuse because they had all of the COVID delays early and throughout the year, they had to play like their last 50 games in like 90 something days. So it was a little bit of that, but it was him, you know, giving up these bad goals that he had that tendency to, but he really figured that out. This was a little different. This felt like a confidence issue or, you know, he got to gave us some bad goals in that loss to St. Louis when he got tagged for five. And you know, I it, you saw in his next game, he wasn't as confident, he wasn't challenging as much and he was getting burned by that, but he Kind of got that back. Uh, Someone, I read an article about it, you know, was talking to Corey Schneider about it, you know, because he's up now with the team due to Varlamov's injury. And he was talking about how it's the a confidence thing. But, you know, you just kind of get that one game or that one thing. It kind of gets you back. And that was likely the game against Colorado. I don't know what I'm more shocked to the fact that he gave up
3: five goals or Corey Schneider still in the NHL.
1: <laughs> and, and he came up last year for like one game and started against the devils in jersey and he was awesome he helped like steal a game in march it was I, irrelevant but it was like so much fun for some reason i thought that he would i thought he
3: retired i i really I, I really thought he was gone
1: yeah i got to i went to bridgeport for a playoff game last year for the islanders and watched yeah. them watched him uh play out of his mind when they uh won a series in overtime i mean he was he's been great for them in bridgeport so he's a Nice third goalie to have, you know. When you don't have a young goalie, you know, it's better to have, I guess, a guy who has some NHL track record. He was and he was
3: really good for like a five year stretch with Vancouver and then a little bit with the Devils, too. Like, he actually was like, he was the reason why the Devils went to the playoffs. I was Kincaid
1: that year,
2: it was very Kincaid. They dragged that team career
1: ending, yeah. yeah, I mean it's incredible that he's still there and you know, he seems to be he's one of those classic Lou guys, you know. Lou got him he didn't Lou didn't draft it, but he brought him over in the you know, yeah. in that trade that for the pick that ended up being Bo Horvat. But um yeah, it's uh he's one of those guys, you know, who just has an affinity for Lou and come back and as long as he wants to play hockey in the AHL, you know, happy to have him. One question I have is you know,
3: obviously like Rangers the Rangers and Islanders are playing tomorrow night. Uh, the whole reason why we're doing this, um, obviously, you know, y- you just said to us, and you know, before we got on, that you don't, you, you, you didn't watch the Rangers Penguins game last night, and I can guarantee you that I really don't tune into Islander games. Right. Um, and it's part of it is like you know, they're on at the same exact time most of the time, so it's like yeah. we don't necessarily get the chance to see. Uh, each other's games, and on the yeah. off chance that we're not playing on the same night, I really just don't care about watching the Islanders ever. <laughs> I feel like it's the same thing back and forth. You know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's the rivalry thing. But my main question is, is for Ranger fans: Who are some people? Obviously, not the Matt Barzell's, not the Sorokin. Um, who are? Um, because obviously the team is a little bit different from last year, not exactly. But who right. are some of the players that are? kind of stepping up and I mean almost identical records right now for the Rangers and Islanders. Um, And you know, who are some of the players that are stepping up right now and kind of leading the charge um, and kind of helping them get back into the playoff race?
1: Right. So one of the things is that everyone was just having at the beginning of last year, just everything that could go wrong, went wrong with that team. You know, the only guy who was scoring was Nelson and just everything was horrible to start. And then they dug themselves that hole and couldn't get out. This year, you know, everyone's been getting off to a pretty normal start. You know, even Barzell without scoring. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. You know, he was still putting up points, Um, you know, and Dobson's continued evolution. Um, Pelican Pollock are great. Alexander Romanov has been a fantastic addition. I think that was a great move. You know, he's been exactly what they lacked last year when icing Zidane Ochara and Andy Green out you know one of them had to play top four minutes because of that and so you get alexander romanov who's had his bad moments but he's had his great moments he's a can kill penalties he's blocking shots he's just he's been great he can skate pucks out you know he's not an elite transition defenseman but he's what they need when he's playing alongside a guy like noah dobson or he's going to play with ryan pullock or scott mayfield um he's exactly what they need and then Honestly, in this last little bit, you know, due to some injuries, they've had Simon Holmstrom, their first-round pick from 2019, come up. And he's kind of gotten better, and he's gaining more trust from Lambert as you go. He was killing penalties down at Bridgeport, and he was playing the third line. He was kind of getting adjusted, playing with Pajot and Parise, and now he's killing some penalties. He went first in the shootout the other night you can see him kind of growing and his offensive game's growing. He's responsible defensively and he's a nice piece. And I think he might be a uh, contributed for the rest of the season if he continues to progress, um, you know, and look, Anders Lee's had a better start to this year. Brock Nelson has been awesome as he was last year. And he has been for a little bit, pretty much ever since Trotz took over, got him back to being this awesome two way center who can score. Um, and that's really the thing, you know, it's a lot of the guys who were productive before for this team are being productive. Now Zach Parise, I love him to death. I feel like that man should have always been an Islander, you know, now watching him the last two years, he's putting up, he's going to put up 15 goals, 45 points on your third line, killing penalties, playing power play two minutes for a league men guy. You can't ask for any less than that, but it's really been a lot of the same guys and the people who have come in have been great. And they've been adding to this lineup. So really the only guy who I'm, the two guys who I'm like, wow, they really are just declining. Is Josh Bailey, unfortunately, is just – he's he's cooked at this point. It just doesn't seem like he has it. He was a great Islander. Uh, happy he got to 1,000 games and he's had these great moments. And then Anthony Beauvillier last year just had a horrible year, and this year he's just struggled to regain it. He's looked better in the last month, but it's still not where he was, you know, when they were making those playoff runs. He was a great player for them.
0: The one player you mentioned, Anthony Beauvillier – Uh, I don't remember if it was you who told me this or someone, another Islanders fan, but basically from what I was told, I don't know about this year, but from the last past years, he's kind of the pre 50 goal Chris Kreider where he's so fun to watch, but he's just so inconsistent. Is that kind of a fair comparison? I mean, they have totally different playing styles. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm just saying the, you know, the interest you have in them, you know, like, With Kreider, for 10-game stretch, he scores, like, eight goals and looks like, you know, a top-30 player. And then, like, later on, he's like, is he even on the ice? Is is that a fair description of Or
1: I felt like there was a time where that could be, you know. in like, again, when he was first coming up in the league and, you know, those 2020 and 2021 runs, you know, in the bubble and then those series against the Lightning, those years I would say, yeah, that was him. You know, he had these amazing moments. He was great in those playoff runs. I mean, he scored – the biggest goal in my lifetime as an Islander fan, that game six overtime goal against Tampa that just made me lose my mind. Um, You know, he was great. And unfortunately he just, something happened last year was just kind of a crappy year, but you know, this year he just hasn't been able to regain it. I I have a little bit of optimism left because he's just looked better. He's created a little bit more, but it's just, it's tough to see, you know, because he's, turning into that guy who's like first round pick, had the talent, showed some results, but, you know, ultimately won't pan out with the team. And that's just tough for a guy, you know, who has these great moments with the fan base. Um, One
0: more question before I'm assuming Luke and Brett want to chime in here. How is the transition? No, I'm done. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That that was quick. Um, <laughs> um How's the transition been from Trotz to Lambert? Um, because... Well, it's kind of a two-parter actually the, the first question right. is is how the transition been to lambert is there a little more extra offense than there was with trots because obviously trots was defense first and then the second question i want to ask is obviously we as rangers fans i'm sure you have heard obviously before the seven game winning streak everyone was pointed to hey maybe trots go to trots if go not the answer right. um and that that's how good one is do you think it's a good fit
1: so uh i'll answer the first thing with the transition um I've been a fan of Lane Lambert so far. I think he's been good for this team. I think, you know, he's kind of what they envisioned. You're keeping a lot of the core elements of the identity of this team, but he has opened things up in his system. You can tell with the way the defense is jumping up in place, keeping things in shooting. There's a mindset difference, and it took some time to work through it. You could tell that they were working out some of the old habits that they had with Trotz, and it was kind of wa- funny to watch them. You know, when they had that stretch where they won 13 or 14, you could tell they were great. But they've definitely led up defensively, and it's, you know, they're relying a lot more on Sorokin and Varlamov than they were in the past. And it's been good so far, but it's kind of interesting to see, you know, what this is going to be for this team. Because as much as the system's been great, there's still a bit of a personnel issue. You know, you still don't have that guy who's going to be playing with Matthew Barzell, who's going to be that goal scorer who can, you know, be there and be on the same wavelength as him. Um, as much as I want Oliver Walsh to be that, he just hasn't been there yet. Or even someone to play with the two of them. Um, you know, even defensively, Sebastian Aho has become an, a, a decent everyday NHL player. And the I other know, Sebastian The Ajo. other Sebastian Aho, I other, must say. Yeah. I will tell you, when they drafted him, they drafted him after Carolina's, the good Sebastian Aho's rookie year. And I was so confused when I saw that. I'm like, I don't understand. I mean, I'll take it. Like he scored twenty goals his rookie year, but I I'm so confused until I realized that he is Swedish. The other one is Finnish, um, and very big difference there. But um, he's become a decent NHL player, which I could never have imagined after the last couple of years. And you know they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Adam Pelik's out. Paul Mary missed ten games. Got hurt in his first game back. Clutterbuck's on IR, and Varlamov is going to miss. I don't know how long, but it's a uh, it's been good overall. You know, I would they're clearly thinking that they're gonna be in contention and gonna be able to make a move, because just in general, they have a ton of deadline cap space to move. But every single off day, they're sending guys down that are waiver exempt, you know, to crew mm-hmm. cap space. They're putting guys on our Lou, who wrote most of the rules for the salary cap and knows pretty much everything, is clearly building up something. They might have 14, 15 million dollars to work with in deadline cap space. So they are clearly prepping to be like, we are going to be able to make a move and not have to retain salary, you know, to be able to lower the price. I don't know what it's gonna be. You know, there's still can a inch- why. Can I interest you in Patty Kane? I mean, that's that's the easy answer. You know, I I've been on the Tarasenko. with Can I interest you No, 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 You get out You, you <laughs> get out of there. you no, Kane Kane's is, is yours.
2: an That is absolutely uh-huh. Kane. He just feels like an Islander already yeah. to me. Tarasenko
0: not so much. Like we love wow. Petrano and kind of Tarasenko <laughs> is that, but on steroids. So right. we we, we kind of want that. So you could have Patty Kane. We'll have Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fair fair trade. I'll, there. I'll be
3: honest with you. I don't. I know. I don't want the Islanders to get Patrick Kane at all. I I don't.
0: Yeah, I mean,
3: I, I would. I, I I I wouldn't. I like he's. He's too good. I I wouldn't want them to
0: get him. He hasn't though. even like, been that great this year. I mean he's, on terrible black year, yeah. I, mean, he's I watched he's when the Blackhawks came to town,
1: terrible. he looked he looked awful. But like you know you he, he did, I've watched a lot of terrible he's playing with hockey Anthony teams she in or and on Domi. TV in my life. I've seen a yeah. lot of terrible hockey teams. I've seen John Tavares play with horrible linemates. All right. I was watching him play with freaking Alan Quine in the playoffs, all right? Um it was not pretty, but you know, there were still moments where you could tell like, okay, this guy, he's you know it, but Patty Kane, I watched him in person, and the few Blackhawks games I've watched this year, he just hasn't looked the same. But we'll see what happens. You know, the deadline's a while away. But they're clearly thinking that we're going to be hanging around, going to get into, be in the playoff contention. And they believe that this is a team that if they get in, they can make noise, which was their identity before. Um, And, you know, maybe that could be it this year. But, you know, I feel like, I feel comfortable with Lane so far. Um, to see him kind of grow as an NHL coach to kind of learn the ropes has been entertaining. And uh yeah, it's kind of been fun. But as for my thoughts on Trotz in general and you know, if he would be a fit on the Rangers, I know obviously the last two weeks has changed everything dramatically, potentially. But um Barry Trotz, I will never have a ill uh, like anything bad to say about him. I love that man when he came and what he did. Um, I will always respect. I will, he will always have a place in my heart. You know, I've never had such fond memories with the team after the worst memory I thought I would ever have with Tavares leaving. I was miserable. You know, it was just, it was so devastating. And then to have the runs that they had the next year, the next couple of years, it was great. But he, a lot of people give him flack for being like, Oh, he came in, he's too defensive. He's too strict. You can't score goals with him. Da 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 I don't think that's the case because his four years in Washington I think it's a big issue. It's an issue of what he's coming into. He came into an Islander team that was severely lacking skill when Tavares left. You know, I mean, Barzell was great. Brock Nelson, he helped, you know, get back. Anders Lee was there. Beauvillier. There really wasn't much high-end skill there, if at all. Um, And he knew that if this team's going to be competitive, you have to create an identity. And their identity is going to be goaltending, defense. We're going to play you hard. And we're going to grind these out, you know, because they had Sezikis. They had Clutterbuck. They had Martin. You know, they had these guys there already. And when he went to Washington, he didn't need to be like, no, 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 none with the offense. Kuznetsov, Carlson, you know, Backstrom, Ovechkin, these guys had some of their best years uh, in Trotz's system. He's clearly able to get that out of you, but it's what he's coming into. And I think he'd be able to get more of a Washington-like system in, with the Rangers because they have that skill. He's not going to go and, you know, have Artemi Panarin playing like Matt Martin in the defensive zone, you know? He's going to try and, you know, get him to be a little more responsible and get him to play a certain style, but a style that can work within his skill set. I think he's much more adaptable as a coach than people give him credit for. Um, will he, you know, he said he doesn't have interest in coaching right now. You know, he was staying around maybe this time he would, but maybe that interest in coaching is because he knows Gallant's not going to get fired now. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's going to, I I have... I think it would have been a good fit. I think it could be a good fit. Um, I really think he's very adaptable. And it's just a guy who who wins and knows how to win or knows how to build a team and build an identity, regardless of what it is.
0: So another thing I wanted to ask you uh, regarding NHL-wise, I had this, saw this on Twitter today where it was like, who's your Norris winner, right? And I know you and me have talked about a lot about, um, God dang it, I of course I'm blanking at the most... Uh not Pollock. Not Pollock. Pelleck. Pelic, god damn it. Uh no, not pal Yeah, Pelic. Sorry. Pelock. <laughs> um obviously he's known to being one of the best defensive defensemen. Do you think maybe there should be two defensive trophies, like one for your best overall offensive, but with a little bit of defense, and then uh, just the best defensive defenseman trophy? Because I feel like, listen, Eric Carlson, he's great offensively, but he has no business being in the Norris because how bad he is defensively.
1: Right, at this point in his career, you know, when he's won it in the past, I would say, you know, his defense was good enough to get him, you know, with oh, 100%, game, right? but I'm at saying this like point, now, he has right, no business. Point, right, you know, and I would never consider, even though Noah Dobson has 10 goals, he has these great offensive numbers, he is nowhere near the Norris conversation because he just needs to work in his own end. It's an interesting thing you bring up, um, you know, but I think that there's multiple aspects to it. You know, Pellick has been in the past, he's been excellent defensively. You know, he really was became such a stud under trots you know, and Pellic and off that pairing was just so good together. And he had offensive skill. He has very underrated skill, I would say. He's not an offensive dynamo, but he'll make a couple of plays. You know, there was one in the 56 game here against the Rangers where, I don't remember who was forechecking on him, but he basically, you know, guy was coming in trying to forecheck again, and Pellick wound up to kind of clear the puck, faked it, shipped it around him, pulled it back, and then made an outlet pass that went for a chance the other way. And he's had things like that throughout his entire career. If you watch the goal he scored in the garden this year, that's a nice little play. You know, he kind of dragged it, got it to his forehand, and got the shot off. And he's had that ability, but he ultimately... I'm not taking him over Kale McCarr or Adam Fox as much as I love him in his defensive game because those guys have are great in their own end or are really good in their own end, and they have this unbelievable offensive upside. You know, very rarely do you get a guy like a Brett Burns or an Eric Carlson winning it because it's just purely unbelievable offense, you know, with such poor defense. You know, it's about being well-rounded, and, you know, you're going to take those guys. You're going to take even Jacob Slavin a little bit because he's got – more offensive upside and stuff like that. You're going to take those guys in a lot of scenarios over a guy like Pellett. So it could be good in terms of just trying to recognize those defensemen. But in terms of the Norris, I think it's a fair criteria. I think the best defenseman in the NHL gets it. You know, Kale McCarr should be winning the Norris. Adam Fox should be winning the Nor- Norris, you know, over the last couple of years.
3: Right.
0: I, I think I maybe,
1: have, no, I have a good question good. for you.
3: Sorry. Uh, yeah, you're
1: fine.
3: Um, where does Car- Carson uh Susie or saucy saucy saucy, saucy. Your, saucy. Uh, we changed the name Carson sauce sauce i'm i'm kidding <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with you it was a, ah. it's, a it's a stupid joke from our last podcast oh, Carson I mean. saucy I, I, um, I mispronounced
0: his name once and now they're gonna wow. never
1: gonna hear well, that yeah i mean have you you see i mean you saw that Steve Dang all those years ago confused Nick Robertson to being a defenseman and he doesn't let himself hear the end of it or <laughs> know that there's anyone else on his podcast. So it's only um, it's only responsible of you guys.
3: I, I, no. I do. Have... Oh, you know, oh, Brett, no, Brett, you go, you go.
2: I'll say I say I, I have an actual question for you uh, that that I see in the notes that uh, Jacob wanted to uh, get to, and that's is Barzell the most talented player in the game who can't score?
1: <laughs> there we go. There we go. All
2: right. No, I I I would put caco
3: on him head to head.
1: So here's here's the thing with Barzal. It was weird when he was starting the year without a goal, especially because he was scoring. He was like shooting, he was getting chances. It was the longest goal to streak of his career, those 20, you know, whatever games it took. Um I went and looked at it and I'm like, has he ever like had this long of a goal scoring drought, and he's had 19. nineteen. He's been always been a bit of a streaky goal scorer. He's also never been much of a goal scorer. He's been around a twenty goal guy his yeah. entire career, you know. So I I was saying this to Jacob yesterday. I'm like I feel pretty confident he'll end around twenty goals, twenty plus goals, something where he usually ends up. You know, the biggest thing was getting the assist, getting the other points. You know, getting himself back to being that point of game player, or you know that level of a player that we saw those years with Trots. You know, when they were good and maybe his points weren't exactly where you wanted it to be, but the overall game he was creating and, you know, more of a finishing issue. So, you know, he scored a little bit recently. It's starting to come on. We'll see what happens. You know, if it's, if he's still under 10 by the all, you know, in February or March, then yeah, I'm going to be concerned that he just hasn't been able to finish this year. Well, I, I, I guess my question is that to me, he doesn't look like a 20 goal scorer. He looks like
2: somebody that should be putting up double those numbers, but yet he's not. And I just wonder you know because I don't get to watch him a ton but every time right. I do he stands out to me and I'm like man this guy should be putting up you know more than just assists uh and I and so I'm just curious if you have any insight into his game is he is he snake bitten or is it just that he doesn't he he prefers is he, does he defer too much like Benarin often does is he is it that that's going on who well, right. you know, why would, is it
1: I would say it's more that I would say it's more you know he defers he looks to make that pass you know he's he'll get in the zone he'll create space he'll get himself into maybe a 50 50 decent chance you know he could shoot it maybe doesn't have the finishing ability and he's like you know what i'll try to stop you know because he has this great edge work and get the guy to overcommit. i can make a pass while not moving and do that And i think there's you still need to work that out a little bit of a system it's kind of a little bit where he was his rookie year you know it's funny seeing the progression of his career you know he went had his rookie year you know trots came in w- was working on all this stuff it was very interesting to see you know he was really struggling with it at points and then now to kind of go back you know I feel like he's trying to learn a whole new style of trying to be like okay yeah I can create I can skate in circles but I also got to look to shoot Um, and you saw that at the end of when he was right before he scored his first couple goals those games he was really he was doing that a lot more especially late in games he was like all right I'm done with this I'm just going to go shoot and then he would hit a post or a great save you know and rebound So it's a combination of that, but it's more an ideology. He's looking to set up and try to get a guy, which is why, you know, getting that guy who can finish with him is also important because he needs to be able to create. And, you know, if he's going to create, he needs someone who can help finish that.
0: Right. Uh, Another question I got here, which it's actually kind of the perfect podcast episode to do this because this has a lot to do with the rivalry games. What do you think
1: about the 84 game schedule that was kind of out there? So I'm going to plug myself here. You know, I've been, making videos on TikTok about after every Islander game. But one of the things I made after the last Islander-Ranger game was about how stupid the NHL schedule has been in terms of matching up rivalries. And I proposed a solution. And my solution was not to add 84 games, which you can do if you want, was to just cut the out-of-conference games in half. You know? You don't... I don't need to play... You know, yeah, it's fun to watch Connor McDavid play the Islanders twice a year and know that he's always coming to the building... But at the same time, I don't need to see them play, you know, the Arizona Coyotes twice a year. You know, it's I'd rather get a guaranteed six divisional games against every opponent in, in your division with half the game. And then know that every other year you're seeing those Western Conference teams, you know, to alternate, you know, this year Edmonton comes to the Islanders next year. The Islanders go to Edmonton and stuff like that. I'd rather that cut that in half. The math works out perfectly perfectly. You'd have 42 division games spread amongst the seven teams. I think that's the better solution. You want to go to 84 to make the math work differently. I guess you could do that, but I'm in favor of more. And those six rivalry games and less out of conference games sound more appealing to me. I, I agree. So, yeah. so being,
3: I, 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 logically what you said makes a ton of sense. And I agree with you, but if I'm going with my heart, being a New Yorker who lived in Los Angeles for 10 years, I always counted on the Rangers coming and playing in Anaheim right. and in Los Angeles. And it was awesome because I moved out there right around the time that it was guaranteed that they would be going out at least once a year to each team.
1: Right. When they um, change.
3: yeah. So it, it, I, I think it was around the time it changed to that. So it's just like, you know, for me, I always loved it. Cause I literally went to, I mean, I, I've been to Anaheim and, LA probably as many times I've been to the garden in the past like 10 years mm-hmm. um and it was always I think it's I don't know it, it, I'm 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 a little I guess
1: uh you have more softer of an emotional connection for, to it
3: yeah no I I've I've got I've got a soft heart for the fans for in like in out of market regions right. when the count on their team to come at least once a year so that that's one thing and I but I do get what you're saying so it, it you know uh, I'm not going to really like argue that point. One thing that I did think was interesting was that they were thinking about expanding the playoffs into the sense of like how the NBA and MLB do like the wild card games. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, at first I'm not really in favor for, but you know what? If it makes the league money and if it makes the league get out of uh, this debt that they accrued right. because of the COVID years, I'm all for it. Okay. Um, I was in my, so my brother was throwing out to me that, you know, they had all this, uh, the possibility of like adding like the wild cards and everything. And I was like, you know, what would be really interesting because if they do that, I think they said that they're going to go, I could be wrong, but I, they, I think they said they're going to go to just one through eight again in each conference. Right. That um, would be the ideal, which would be ideal for me. The ideal of all ideals. I would love to see this happen. It's never going to happen. It happened long ago uh one through 16 um one through 16 isn't going to happen they're not going to mix and match the east and western conference although i think that'd be unbelievable
1: to see that'd be um, brutal for the rangers going to california back and forth I, and going right? for it round to two like that i know when like in like the 70s and 80s the islanders played yeah. like a first round matchup against the kings i'm like who thought that was a good idea like you know yeah it's, but you know the thing Luka is does.
3: like I, I, I think I think it would be a great idea. I think it'd be a great idea to um like just open up the league more, expose the league more to more players in different markets. Um, you know, like Connor McDavid stuck in the Western time zone. How great would it be if we got a Connor McDavid Sidney Crosby first round matchup? I don't know, just throwing it out there. Right. You know, and it's just it's just shit like that that I think the NHL just doesn't really think outside the box with. Maybe, even if you don't want to go one through 16. You're
0: asking what Gary Bettman to do
3: a smart move here. I that's oh. on you, man. I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: creative. That's no, the no, no, no. i The creative aspect it.
3: of it. That's I'm the thing that's frustrating. There's no creativity one, in their ideas. One through 16 is never going to happen, really, most likely. That's fine. But one through eight, and then if you want to do the wild cards, I think what you could do to make it really interesting is the person from the – or the teams from the East or West, whichever wild whichever team wins the wild card between the eight and nine seeds in each conference, you flip them. So, the the team that wins the Western Conference wild card goes to the Eastern Conference bracket. I don't right. know. That's, That's interesting. So, I, s- I saw an out. idea
1: that kind of borrows that a little bit, which was this was when Montreal made the playoffs, you know, in the COVID year because every division had four spots, but they were the 18th team overall in points. Yeah. And, you know, and even then, Colorado, when they f- made the playoffs the year, they beat Calgary and then lost to San Jose in 2019. I think they were the 17th team in terms of points or something like that. And so, because Montreal had more points than them and missed the playoffs that year in 2019. And the ideal was that you basically, if there is a team that misses the playoffs, but is in that top 16 overall in the league standings, them and the team that ends up making the playoffs should play a playoff game or two out of three, something, some sort of series. And then if that team that has more points, the 16th place team, because the 17th place team that got in, they take that spot. And so it could have been Montreal going on the road in the first round to play Calgary. Um, I think that would be an interesting idea because that's happened before. It's happened a couple of times. And, you know, people have just been annoyed at that aspect. Like, come on, like this team, you know, they're playing in the Eastern Conference. They had 90 something points, but a team, you know, kind of last year, almost what happened with uh, the West a little bit, you know, they had all those teams at the end dogfighting that were near hundred points. And then, you know, you had Washington cruising in. So, So,
0: something I wanted to ask regarding tomorrow night, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be Shusterkin in the net. But what did you feed Halak when he was facing us? Because (laughs) the other way around, we tried it against you guys this season and it just didn't seem to work. So, I mean, like, what
1: you Yaro, Yaros has some struggles against the Islanders when he's faced them since leaving. You know, I think he's a secret double Yaro's agent. I think, some I think he loves everyone
3: this year, That's right?
1: True. But when he's he was in Boston, miss. they lit him up a couple of times. You know, and especially that year, that you know, East Division year where they were playing each other eight times. He played a bunch of those games, and the Islanders did pretty well against him. And even last year in Vancouver, but I don't know. That was something that preceded him because I remember the first Islander Ranger game with Halak. You know, in the garden, it was like the fourth, fifth game of his year, his first season, and they were showing the stats. Oh, he has this great record against because He's done well against the Rangers. So I don't know what was going on in Montreal or St. Louis. You know, when he was there, or that weird day he spent with Buffalo in practice before getting traded to the Caps. Um, I don't know what happened there, but that was something that you know obviously was before he came to the island, and then health, thankfully, you know, manifested itself once he came over and was just money against the Rangers. It was great. The only one... Uh, that I,
3: was,
1: I, yeah. Sorry. No, I just wanted to say, like, mention, like, the only one
0: that it was close to as dominant... I mean, listen, every time the Rangers face a goalie, they play, like, Dominic Hasek... But the only <laughs> other one that I would mention is Jimmy Howard. That guy was ridiculous. I, I mean, every time we played versus Detroit when he was around, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a one nothing game. Or, like, something like that. one nothing in overtime, something like that. That's how I
1: feel about Alexander Gorgiev, okay? I don't know. <laughs> this guy just has the Islanders' number. Yeah. Watching him the other night, I'm like, God. You know, and they, they got him for from- –
3: has- Speaking about someone who has numbers, uh, who is the – Evan Rodriguez.
1: Oh, just my God. Having, what a, what
3: a uh, Yeah, but having like just New York goaltender numbers. Jeez, he did the same freaking move a year ago. <laughs>
0: what do you mean? Yeah. I, didn't he just do it versus Shesterkin this year?
1: No, oh, I think sh- he did it. In that shootout? Was it Was it this did. year? Yeah, I think he did. Hold okay, on. yeah. I so got he one did the
3: same two. move this year. It wasn't last year. Sorry, it was this year. That was so filthy. Yeah, no, it, it was. Oh, it looks like
0: Brendan Othman lost multiple teeth in the World Juniors. so that can't be good.
3: Bleeding That's all, all
1: right. over.
3: We, it's all just right. a couple you, fakes. Have, it's all good. They have they have veneers, um, for a reason. Uh, have you been to the new UBS Arena?
1: Oh, I've been numerous times. I got to go to the first game last year. I went to about ten games this year. I think I've been to like six or. Oh, seven and then he scored year, a beautiful
0: right? goal. How about that? He came back and scored a beautiful goal after that. Well, well, he's a, he's, a he's
1: just a beautiful baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i got to go to i've been to ubs arena a bunch i've in that first game sitting there you know we made sure to get there early sit there you know before the game yep. and warm up sit in our seats walk around sitting there and watching and just looking around this save the art beautiful arena seeing the banners that were in the coliseum the retired numbers all these things and looking in a very clearly an islanders arena and like built for the 21st century it didn't feel real. It felt like an out-of-body experience because none of this made sense. Because it was either the Coliseum, which I loved to death, but it was a dump. It was our dump, but it was a dump, you know. And yeah. or it was Barclays Center, which was a nice arena, but just no, wasn't meant for off. not yours, not yours. Just yeah, felt yeah. off. Everything about you, it were, felt you, off. you were you were tenants. Right, yeah, exactly.
0: Didn't they have a car in front of half the seats that made it hard to see? Or am well, I because
1: the way the seating was built, or you something, have to look on that the side window, of the okay. arena? <laughs> yeah, you know, the car window, they couldn't. They didn't build seats it's called the Honda go. seats.
3: <laughs> so they had
1: like chairs and tables right along the glass, like behind the net, and then they had a car because they're like, we can't put seats here. Might as well get something to get sponsored. It was right. it, it was a weird experience, but the arena is gorgeous. I'm thankful for it. You know, it's uh. Let me ask
2: it, you this: At UBS, what's the best thing to eat at UBS?
1: So that was my next question. So yeah. I haven't really <laughs> eaten a lot of the food there. There was, looks like so there's some good stuff there. Uh, I know, like the Blue Line Deli and Bagel, like this Bagel Boss, um, you know, in Jericho on Long Island. You know, they have a place there. You know, and Shack's Chicken, you know, he has like a fried chicken business, and so they have something there. Those stuff looks delicious. So I would say something from that range. I haven't honestly really gone for the food most of the time. I'm not really getting anything there, but. No, they really have some incredible options there. Like you could go and watch a hockey game, have a great experience, and you could go before and after. Like they have a terrace where they have a DJ and they, you know, you could get drinks out there. You know, they have a bar, like a restaurant kind of attached to the arena where you could go before gates open. They've really put a lot of thought into it. There's a lot of stuff around. The only situation that was really awful at first and has gotten better, you know, just because you kind of deal with it was the parking um you know just it's not the best situation there you know it's not just it's one not a, whatever lot. it
3: is it's not as bad as foxborough
1: so you got that right what are you I mean, about? at least you guys have parking we're in the middle of the city yeah but you're literally on top of penn station yeah i was just saying I, I they, would not they built two uh, they built two stations like train stations you know for the long island railroad to come you know one right next to Greeno, one a little bit further so they've been able to figure stuff out they're finally full you know service now this season so it's gotten better, um, but I the arena just, it means so much to, like, the fan base and to me, like, you know, growing up my whole life and just hearing the rumors, like, even after they got Tavares, they had a guy, and it was just, all right, they're moving to Saskatchewan, they're moving to K- Kansas City, Quebec, that was everything, you know, so to have this, is just Houston, Denver, Houston, uh, yeah, Kansas City, yeah. All. Kansas City was a popular one, a lot of people really wanted them to go there.
3: I don't really get that one, I, I understand the Houston um that's just a really big market that you know uh, right doesn't have a hockey team um i mean i, I just don't i think wherever the next because i mean they're not going to expand anymore they've already done they're done with expanding the league i believe i feel like 32 is a really solid number but
1: for now, for, and it won't yeah. be for a while if they do and yeah the next I, one I, is
0: probably wait, they were I, I just saw something the other day it's probably going to be something along the lines of like
1: houston
3: yeah, and yeah, it's as I'm saying, it's, it's either Houston or Quebec City, right? Um, yeah.
1: with Quebec City, <clears throat> I don't know, know why Gary that, hate that's Quebec the only City. thing that
3: Canada keeps talking about. Is because Quebec
1: City. Honestly, it's not necessarily such a market, such a profitable place right now. It's not look, I would love the Battle of Quebec as much as anyone, you know, seeing those things with the Nordiques and stuff. I think they would be great to have with the Habs, but also, like, you know, the leading needs people to look at them. And there's a better chance at that in Houston than you know in another Canadian team.
3: Yeah, my my only my only concern is is that you know, I I do like having a team in Dallas, obviously, and like they've proven that that's a it's a market that's obviously well worth having a franchise. Right. Um, but you look at for, you know markets like Carolina. Carolina's fan base is really good. Only when the team is good, though,
1: right? You know that's a lot of. Those you know what's going to happen really. when
0: Pittsburgh loses Crosby and uh,
3: Malkin? It's going to be the same thing. What happened when of them you left?
1: Right. They yeah,
0: they,
3: but you know what? They, they were on the brink of shoved up their asshole, so they're just going to win the lottery again and then get stumble <laughs> into the next generational player. Oh like, yeah. Like honestly, like Pittsburgh Penguin fans literally can go fuck themselves. <laughs> they literally have just lucked out for the last forty fucking years.
2: Shut I mean, the that, fuck up! It was and Mager, and said, Hold on, hold on, They, they, hold on, they, they, they didn't, they didn't luck out with Lemieux. That was on purpose. That was tanking. Right, that was on intentional. Purpose. But yeah, I mean, no, 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 no. You're right. I but
3: I said they lucked out with Yager because Yager literally pulled the fucking draft. He told, I think, they, I don't know what he was drafted. He was drafted like three or four. Someone could look it up now. But he was drafted later on in the draft, and he told the, the teams in front of him, "I'm not playing with you. I will go back and play in uh, the Shock Republic." And <laughs> Fifth. Okay. Yager should not have went fucking fifth in any draft <laughs> for the last thirty fucking no. years. He's still fucking playing. Um <laughs> but like they've they, they, he said he only wanted to play with Lemieux, that's why they the he lasted that long. Um so you lucked out with two generational players, and then you fucking you and somehow again. And, and then do, you do it again. again.
2: Cross uh, game markets uh, unbelievable.
3: And then it's just at really, number one. Feelings. He's not a number one, but yeah. You know. But, ze- but zero sympathy for for any penguin fans. Oh, you're a pirate fan? Tough shit. That's your penance. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think. i not to know your Super Bowls with the Steelers too. That's I have grown up a Steeler fan. It's a whole other story. Uh... They're, the, they're the only non-New York team I've rooted for in my entire life. But okay, I grew up a Met Islander and Knicks fan. Do you know how nice it was to have at least one team that was consistently good? I needed that in my life. But I understand, you know. It's funny when the Islanders and Penguins have played in the playoffs, I follow a lot of, you know, just Pittsburgh sports personalities because, you know, I read a lot of their stuff, listen to their stuff on the Steelers. And so being in that middle ground in certain things and listening to some of the things there, and I texted my friends like, is this what I sound like when I talk about football? Like, I just want to know, is that what I sound like when I talk about the Steelers or I complain about things? Because I would like, because I'm like, I'm getting fed up with them.
0: How was the calls during the Islanders? I, I remember watching a few of those games, like the Pe- Penguins, they couldn't do anything. The Islanders were shutting everything down. Um, how bad were the calls in this series? I, I'm not saying like, oh, the really, NHL has it for Penguins fans. Like they love them like to death, but I'm I'm just asking out of curiosity.
1: It really, it felt like, you know, the way people were talking about it that the Islanders were getting away with bloody murder every game, which like, I understand, you know, you have the reputation as the hard grinding defensive team. Like you're going to be like, oh, they're just cheap shotting you and running the goalie and stuff like that. And I didn't think, you know, that was really the case. I thought, you know, both sides were starting up stuff equally and, you know, people are getting penalized for it. But there really wasn't too much controversy in those games. You know, there wasn't like an off cycle. The most I could remember was game three in 2021. Brandon Tanev scored a goal that could have been a high stick late you know in this crazy 5-4 game but that was about it and even then it was kind of like i don't know it's a weird angle you can't really tell but yeah I don't we know had that we had the Gensel time. goal where it went off his foot. oh that was he, listen it was gorgeous i'm i'm not i'm not going to deny that yeah but that was high stick i it was it was really close i mean i was just that game was miserable for me that rest of that those last three games of that series are miserable for me i just wanted I just wanted those guys. You were already like
0: you had a pretext sent to me. Not even that. It's
1: just, I just, the moment Crosby went down, I'm like, oh no. Because I have, I have said this for years. I, I have said this. I will always say this. As long as Sidney Crosby is playing games for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't know how, I don't know why. There's going to be some weird voodoo magic that he will just, he'll always be great. They'll always be at least a playoff team. Like he just has something about him. He is terrifying whenever he touches the puck. i He's the only player I feel like that because he can be skating backwards towards his own goalie, ring the puck around the glass, knowing that there's a little bit of an issue with one of the stanchions and it's going to hit that bounce right to Gensel coming on a breakaway. They're going to score in overtime because he's just done everything like that in his career. He's just, he's terrifying every time he touches the puck. I'm like, Maybe maybe you should tell Keandre Miller that instead of having a pinch in the neutral
3: zone last night, (laughs) that uh, was bad. That was bad. uh, You know, trying. Yeah, that was really that was really bad. bad. That ended up being the game winning goal. Yeah, I mean, it was.
1: It's been uh, he's been Miller loves the
3: pinch at the dumbest times, guys. Just throwing that out
1: there. It's gonna happen. Give him credit though. He's done. He's done
3: much better. The past 10 games. No, look, I love him. I love him, but it's, like, my biggest bone to pick with him. Like, tomorrow, he's going to pinch when, like, Barzell has a full head of steam at some point in the neutral zone. I don't know. Who's looking for
0: Matthew Barzell now?
1: Aren't they playing, like, musical chairs or no? Oh, with him? Oh, no. It's been Walsham with him for the last little bit, and now – Okay, so Walsham's going to come from
0: the side. Miller's going to pinch. He's going to pass it to Barzell,
1: break away, and – you know what's yep. going to happen because this is what happened the last two times they played in the Garden. There's going to be a play that probably should have been a penalty on Walsham late, and then the honors are going to score immediately after.
3: Oh
0: gosh,
1: <laughs>
3: that's that seems to be the theme. Nah, the- it's going to be it's going to be a Kratzoff and Walsham showing
1: tomorrow night. The two
3: thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Don't just, forget, don't Just, forget just about the Thompson. young
3: the young wingers.
0: What I loved about that yeah. actually is not not them but I loved when the LA Kings and the Rangers went into a shootout and it was Lafreniere versus Quentin Byfield. And they That's both fun. scored and Lafreniere like went like number one to him. Like when he passed Quentin <laughs> Byfield, that like that type of stuff is so good to see. They like we don't that. get enough The of league
1: it. needs that. They need characters. They need personalities. As much as I love, you know, that it, the classic cliches, you know, uh, you know, we got our legs under us, you know, good shift out there, you know, just got pucks in deep and really worked it well. As much as I love that, You know, it's at times the clichéness of it. it, You you want guys to be personalities. And, you know, I think that we've been so used to players who just aren't that, that people get so bent out of shape whenever they do. You know, I remember there's like a thing where in the playoffs, the Leafs got killed by Boston and Matthews after the game, you know, they asked him what happened. He's like, I don't know. Shit happens. Like, you know, like matter of fact, and like people were all mad. It's like, I don't know what you want from him. He gives an honest answer. Like, yeah, I don't know. Shit happens. We got to go back. We're down to nothing. So one final question for everyone here. Quick question.
0: Uh we'll get, you know. Uh well, I guess it's not really tomorrow now. Well, and the listeners will hear it. It's gonna be tonight. Um, what's your prediction on the score? Uh Brett, we'll go from you, Luca, and then Donnie.
2: It's gonna be nine-nothing. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> this, ain't Rangers, the flyers. this ain't the right. flyers, man. No, no, no. The I manager's
1: can't. not getting six points in this game, <laughs> you know?
2: He's gonna he's gonna drop five on you. I don't know. Um <laughs> Uh honestly the way this team's playing right now I I, I and I think cuz you guys are on a little bit of a you like 3 and 5 in the last eight I think something like that yeah, they, they three, did 3 5 and 2 in the last 10, ten games. games. Okay so yeah I knew it was something like that. Yeah I, I I'm going to go four or 3 Rangers. Uh I mean I'm going to I it's you know
3: that you have you have the uh you know the Ivan Dragos of the goaltending world in net <laughs> right now so I, I have a feeling it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I would bet the under. I'm going to go two-one Rangers.
1: You dying? I think you know. Similarly, the Islanders have had good success against Shostakin throughout his career, so I feel like they can get three past them. I'm feeling a three-two type thing. You know, another yeah. just another OT type. OT or, thing. or I, regular? I think I think this has got regulation. You know, and you got a kind of regulation the, where, like as you said, Wallstrom does something and they score with a minute left. Right, two. exactly. You know, I mean, if it's two minutes left in your own defensive zone, just watch. Just make sure the ref is watching Wallstrom. It might be too. If, if that the
3: Islanders, think. if the Islanders win, it's going to be one of the
1: freaking senior citizens from New Jersey that Luke <laughs> came over. Oh <laughs> over. No, <laughs> no, no, no! I tell you exactly who it's going to be. It's going to be my boy Hudson, Fashing. Hudson Who the fashion. hell is that? Yeah. Who, the Who hell is What yeah. no the hell is that. Listen, no. exactly. I walked, so I, I, I tried to exactly the NHL, exactly. My well, wait, point.
0: wait, wait, wait! Has he scored his first NHL goal yet? Yeah, he did.
1: Right. Oh, he's, okay. He's, no, he's no, got no, two. Then, then, I, just two. Look, I just
0: looked. At, I just looked about. Yeah, 2 two. He's got
1: two this year. He oh. scored one his, a bunch of years ago. With no, 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 Donnie, The
0: rule is is that it has to be a player that hasn't scored an NHL goal. Of course,
1: Islanders have been victims of that too. Goalies making their NHL debut in Alexander Gorgiev only Isles, but I think three, two. I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be a good one. Obviously, I'm going to think that the Islanders complete the season sweep. but Because last time they were struggling this year, it was a game against the Rangers, that 3 nothing game, where they got right and helped get them on that run. So, I'm hoping tomorrow night, uh, very similar. All right. We're going to end it off here, Donnie. Hold on, oh, no, uh, Jake. We...
2: What, what do you think the score is? Yeah. You're the I'm only done. one that doesn't <laughs> go on the record here? Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's okay. bullshit. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know it's a goaltending battle. It's just, I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be just both. They're both going to have not great nights. I, I'm going with a four to three. Yeah, Rangers just, win. Okay. I'm, I'm going with a four too. to three. Yeah. I It's just one of those times where, you know, like, oh, there's like, a, it's a goaltender battle. And then they both just, you know, Played don't mediocre. show
2: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those. I think it's gonna be a fourth, uh, four three. If the Islanders do win, I am agreeing with Donnie right there. It's gonna be something very annoying happening
1: in the last minute.
0: <laughs> so it, it, you know, you could you could feel that happening. Um All right, before we end here, Donnie, you want to punch in your Twitter handle, the TikTok, etc.
1: Yeah. So um you can find me at Twitter at Sorokin Fan Club. You know, Elias Sorokin Fan Club. That's why I said my boy earlier. Um, You know, TikTok at Savits 32. You know. Make some videos after every Islander game, but also trying to branch out more general NHL content. Find me there, you know, and uh yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I just worked out All right, done it.